Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. And Jesus isn't inviting people to be religious. He's inviting people simply to have a heart that says, God, I don't want to be rebellious to you. I want my heart right before you. What's the worst spiritual condition to be in, do you think? Angry with God? Ignorant of God, maybe? In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, we discover that the worst spiritual condition a person can be in is to be religious and rebellious toward God. We discover that we are each accountable for our response to God. Let's unpack that as we join Dr. Corbett for tonight's message, Jeremiah Revealed Mankind's True Condition. I want you to just come back with me on a bit of a journey through Jeremiah as we we come to this point, because perhaps for those people who the book of Jeremiah is perhaps unfamiliar, I hope to bring you up to speed really, really quickly. I also want to remind you why I think the book of Jeremiah is so important. And it's so important because when we're looking for answers to life's biggest questions, they are all dealt with in the book of Jeremiah. All of life's biggest questions. For example, the biggest question that we might have, and perhaps for some, they haven't even started to ask this question, but I guarantee you, because we're human, because you're human, you will. If you are not a Christian, if you are not someone who considers themselves religious at all, at some point you will give this question a bit of a space in your thinking. And the question is, is there a God? Is there a God? Can I just tell you, that's a reasonable question to ask. If you're not a Christian, if you're not religious, and you're asking that question, I actually commend you because I think that's a great question to ask. And quite frankly, I don't expect anybody to love, serve, follow God, come to church, be be someone who lives like a Christian, if they think the answer to this question is no. If you think the answer to this question is no, and you have, I'd be interested in your reasons for that, then don't pretend. But if you've come to know God, it, it changes everything. So that's a, that's a reasonable question. And Jeremiah, I think, is going to answer this question in his book. Another question is following on from this, because perhaps you go, okay, I, I can't be absolutely certain there is no God. In fact, there's enough, there's enough room there for me to think that perhaps there could be a God. Okay, then the next question is going to be, who is this God? Who is this God? God that we're talking about? Who is the God who has all the attributes of God, creator of the universe, eternal, all-powerful, and so on? Then the next big question that we're going to ask is, what is all this about? What is my purpose? What, what is the purpose of being human? What's my purpose? Why am I here? And that's a great question to ask because, as I mentioned before, when talking about some of the people that went on the, the Barclay Marathon, they, they were doing this because they felt their life lacked purpose. So they wanted to see what their limits were. And I'm not sure that any of them particularly answered this question. But the fact that they were asking it and doing such desperate things to find the answer to it tells me this is a question that we all ask. Is there any point to me being alive? Is there any point to me being on this planet? This is a great question. A lot of people answer this or fail to answer this. Perhaps they answer it in a very negative way. And I think the answer is actually very positive. And and I hope we can just introduce you to this answer in a moment. Here's another big question. And if you begin to entertain these big questions, inevitably you come to this question. If you don't ask it, you will be asked this question. Why is there so much suffering, evil and pain in the world? That's a great question. I I was talking in the prayer room before we came out that the news last night... Was, I was a little bit disturbed by it because 
there was, you know, the American news distribution networks and, and bless them, they, they, they inform us of all kinds of things that happen in the world. But last night the news was how streetscapes in Miami, Florida and other parts of Florida had been destroyed as their light posts had fallen over because of the hurricane winds and the flooding and so on. And I'm thinking, get a grip. You, you, your power poles have fallen over. You're without electricity. 30, 40 miles that way is a little country called Haiti. 467 people lie dead in the rubble from the same hurricane. And there was barely a mention of it. it was, I think it was a sweeping three-second oh, and people have died in Haiti. It's like, why, why does this happen? Why, why does so much pain and suffering happen in this life? And I think it's a, it is a reasonable question to ask. And I also think there's some reasonable answers to be found in the book of Jeremiah. Then another question is, and it's a reasonable question as well, how can I know this God? Okay, you grant that there could be a God. You're beginning to think that maybe, maybe it is the God of the Bible. And then the next question is, how can I know this God? How can I know this God? And that know carries with it a certain certainty to it. If, if I was to ask a, a husband or a wife here, Perhaps if, if I was to ask husbands, do you know that your wife loves you? My answer would be yes, absolutely. And if you were to ask me, can you prove it to me? I'd go, well, not really. I, I, can, I can give you the evidence that I base my opinion on, but I guess it's not going to give you certain proof that she loves me. But I know she does. And it's that kind of no that I'm using. It's an, it's an experienced no. It's a, it's a no that no matter what someone says, you know something that you've experienced. How can I know this God? And then once you begin on this journey, another of life's really big questions is this. And this is a really big question. How can I make my peace with this God? And can I tell you, you may never have asked this question, but it, and if you're not religious, if you're not a Christian, you begin to ponder these things, eventually you will ask this question, am I right with God? And this is what I've found. People who, who really haven't thought about this, they just assume they are. They assume that, they, and they talk about God being the old man upstairs, me and the old fellow upstairs, we've got a deal, things like this. But when you come to know this God and you begin to understand what he's all about, suddenly this is the question you have the biggest doubt about. And can I tell you, as a pastor, having been by the deathbed of people, they are not asking the other questions that we've just looked at. In fact, I've, I don't think I've ever been at the deathbed of, of someone who, even an atheist, can I tell you, who, and I think of one particular fellow, his name was Alf, and he was uh, across the road neighbour from me, and, and, and he would be out watering his lawn, and I'd be out, and we'd get chatting, and because and I was a pastor, and, and, and we would get talking, and he would scoff at my being religious, and he, he would proudly tell me he didn't think there was a God, and how silly... All religious people were. And then one day, Alf got suddenly very sick. He got cancer. And I remember his, his, his decline was rapid. Knowing the previous conversations that we'd had in the middle of the street and on his lawn and my front lawn, and <laughs> I went to his, what turned out to be his deathbed, and he wasn't asking questions like, is there a God? How? That, that for him on his deathbed was... I know, I know, there has to be a God. And I thought, boy, how quickly we do proper business with God when our final minutes are happening. He was asking this question. 
am I ready to meet this God? And this is what I found when, when life is in its full prime and you're in the, the, the summer of life, it's like, pfft. but when you reach the autumn of life and the sun is beginning to set, you begin to ask questions like this. And I'll, I'll tell you now, every deathbed scene I've been at, this is the question that's being asked. And can I tell you, even by people who've been Christians for 50, 60 years, this is the question they ask on their deathbed. So this would be a really, really good one to get sorted well before your deathbed. The next question would be, and it kind of is in light of this question, which of the religions is the right one? And again, can I tell you, Jeremiah answers this question. He answers this. And then sort of dovetailing back to the deathbed scene, and this is a question that people ask on their deathbed, what happens to us after we die? I had someone... uh, buy one of my books, uh, it was a book on, the book on Revelation, and his name's Graham, and he read it, and he lives in Brisbane, and he sent me an email saying, I need to talk to you about this. I thought, oh, okay, and I get people who ask that all the time. It was published in 2004, and I've probably had quite literally seven, several thousand people who have contacted me about this and how, telling me how it's, how it's helped them, and he was along that line, and he said, I must talk to you. And I just assumed he meant by email. And I said, that'll be fine. He, he, next email, okay, I'll fly down. And he flew down from Brisbane. Now, I've had, that, I've had that kind of thing happen a handful of times. Another one was when someone flew from Colorado in the USA to come here and sat in my office to talk to me about this book as well. So, but this was Graham. Graham was a man in his late 50s. And Graham was someone who had gone to church most of his life, but he was, a, he was a professional. He was someone who didn't always feel that he'd given God maybe the best. He, he felt that with his busy life, he'd perhaps given God the leftovers, and now he was really, really troubled about where he was going after he died. And I, and I thought, this is strange I didn't my book isn't about where you go after you die although I do have a section in there about what happens after we die and the resurrection and so on and he quizzed me on it he and and this is what he was doing he said I really want to know if what you wrote is true did are you basing this on the bible is it your opinion and we went through the scriptures we could see it and by the end of it he was he said okay I just need it yep you've, you've convinced me I just needed to get this reassurance. I said, Graham, can I just say this is a rather odd conversation that we're having. I'm I'm thrilled that you're you're interested in what I've written. I'm thrilled that you're interested in this question. But there's got to be something more to this, isn't there? He said, yes, there is. I've been diagnosed with prostate cancer. I've got months, maybe weeks to live. This is not a Bible study question for me. This is something I need to know. What happens after we die. And so this is what I found that as you read through the book of Jeremiah, and we're in the chapter 50 now of the 52 chapters, that all of these questions are answered as we look at the book of Jeremiah. The book of Jeremiah answers each of these age-old questions. And for many young people who are in the summer of their life, for you, these, some of these questions are like, I never ask these questions. Of course not. You're in the full sunshine of your life. You, 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 you're kicking back. You're enjoying life. And so you should. Wonderful. But one day you will. 
And each of these questions will be dealt with. Let me give you just a, a few of the just a few of the gems that Jeremiah deals with in his book. Jeremiah 9, 24. When it comes to answering some of these questions, can we know God? How do we know God? This is what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 9, 24. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Now that might sound like a, a reason to boast, but it's actually an invitation. God is giving an invitation. I want you to come. I want you to come. And I want you to come to learn to know me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. That one verse answers so many of these questions. One God, there's one true religion, there's, it's, it tells us that it's possible to know God, and it tells us something of who this God is. Just that one verse. Jeremiah 24 verse 7 also tells us something, which I'm going to come back to this verse again in a moment, but this tells us what God is prepared to do for those who want to know him. Jeremiah 24 verse 7 says, I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. God is saying, all you have to do is just have an inclination. You want to know me? I'll take that as as an invite and I'll come in and I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a heart that says, I want to know you, God. And God can do a heart transplant. What else does Jeremiah tell? Just one of the, one of the jewels, one of the, the, the precious jewels Jeremiah gives us in Jeremiah 34, 27. And it's a powerful verse. It tells us something about who this God is. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Again, this tells us something about this God. And this verse in the context of, if you will trust me, if you will trust me on this basis, that there is nothing too hard for me. There's nothing too hard for me. Let go of whatever you're holding on to that may stop you from trusting God. The book of Jeremiah offers one of the greatest proofs for the existence of God. There's some wonderful proofs. Norm mentioned over the offering that the universe is vast and that vast we have no comprehension of. It was a great reminder that this universe is so vast and how this universe began and how it's so vast is one of the greatest arguments for the existence of God because everything is in mathematical placement. It's in mathematical precision. How does the universe land on very precise formulas? How does it land when everything is just perfect, perfectly in place? It's one of the great proofs for God. But here's just another one, and we just step back from that. Consider this. The book of Jeremiah claims to speak on behalf of God. Jeremiah claimed to speak on behalf of God. And in the book of Jeremiah, we have documented prophecies. In other words, God is saying... This will happen. Some of those prophecies occur within 
two weeks of Jeremiah giving them. Documented, witnesses. Some of these prophecies take place over 20, 30 years. The biggest one was that God would raise up Babylon as a world empire, which at the time wasn't, and that Babylon would come in and take over Jerusalem. And it did. He also prophesied the coming of Jesus, what would happen when Jesus was born, how Jesus would minister, what Jesus would achieve, some 600 years before Christ came. All accurately fulfilled. That's why I say the book of Jeremiah is one of the greatest proofs for the existence of God. King Zedekiah knew that Jeremiah was a true prophet of God. Jeremiah also revealed the true condition of mankind's heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? So Jeremiah has something to say not only about man's heart, but God's heart. And this is, I think, one of the most tender verses in a passage where Jeremiah goes on in the next chapter and says, Oh, that my eyes were fountains of water. I would weep waterfall for my people. And he says this about God, and I had to check this because I thought, is this Jeremiah speaking or is this God speaking through Jeremiah? And the context is clearly God speaking through Jeremiah. For the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn and dismay has taken hold on me. See, God saying, as my people hurt, I hurt. This is profound because this is dealing with the rebellious people that he's been calling to repent. And yet God still feels for them. And can I say, he feels for us. And if we were to continue reading through Jeremiah, we would see that the prophet Jeremiah reveals God's, not just how mankind's heart is, but how how God's heart is to heal mankind's heart, to heal the soul. And he, he, he shows how man can be healed. And this is the verse I mentioned before, Jeremiah 24, verse 7, where where all we have to do is seek him. And he says, I'll take out your heart that causes you to go astray, and I'll give you a heart that longs to do my will. So this is what the prophet says, how a person could meet with God and come to know him. This is what he says, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. You will seek me and find me, When you seek me with all your heart. So the prophet says all you have to do is have a heart that looks to, seeks God. And he will take that rebellious, stony heart out and give you a tender heart that longs to please God. And in the book of Jeremiah, he reveals that the worst kind of spiritual condition you you can find yourself in is, is the condition where you claim to be right because you're religious. You claim... That you must be right with God and God must approve of everything you do because you are religious after all. And Jeremiah says those who are religious yet rebellious would be dealt with very severely. And initially this was the condition of Israel and then the Babylonians. So we pick it up in Jeremiah chapter 50 verse 21. And I need to let you know that as we look at this language, it's poetic But in your Bibles, you probably have this poetry set out as poetry. In other words, there'll be big indents on the left and right of these sentences. And this is what it says. 
from verse 21. Go up against the land of Merathaim and against the land, against the inhabitants of Pekod. And both of these terms speak of Babylon being rebellious. That is a key word. Kill and devote them to destruction, declares the Lord, and do all that I have commanded you. Now, this sounds harsh, but again, what we see in Jeremiah is that God says, if you come to me, I will cover you. I will protect you. You rebel against me and walk out from my covering and protection, you're on your own. And this is what can happen when you try and do life on your own. It can be tough. The next verse, the noise of battle is in the land and great destruction. How the hammer of the whole earth, this is a term used to describe Babylon, how the hammer of the whole Earth is cut down and broken. How Babylon has become a horror among the nations. Verse 24. I set a snare for you and you were taken, O Babylon. And again, just think that Babylon's the world empire. It's at the height of its powers. And here is Jeremiah prophesying their doom. O Babylon, and you did not know it, you were found and caught because you opposed the Lord. And Jesus had something to say about opposing the Lord. He said, you can oppose the Lord simply by not being for the Lord. Those who are not for me are against me. And Jesus isn't inviting people to be religious. He's inviting people simply to have a heart that says, God, I don't want to be rebellious to you. I want my heart right before you. Verse 25 the Lord has opened his armory and brought out the weapons of his wrath. For the Lord, God of hosts, has a work to do in the land of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans is Babylon, Babylonia. Verse 26. Come against her from every quarter. Open her granaries, pile her up like heaps of grain and devote her to destruction. Let nothing be left of her. And in reference to the leaders... The ones in power, it calls them bulls. It says, kill all her bulls. Let them go down to the slaughter. Woe to them, for the day has come, the time of their punishment. Now, I just want to step back from this passage and, and tell you that we can track this over the next 70 years or so and see that this is exactly what happened. We read this in Daniel chapter 6, that Babylon was indeed overthrown by the Medo-Persians. And it was just as Jeremiah prophesied. So let's step back again. Just take another step back and look at the big picture here. What does the book of Jeremiah tell us about how God feels about nations? People who aren't necessarily Jews, not of Israel. Because I've heard some people say God's laws were only for God's people. That's not true. God's laws are for all people. Not just God's people, all people. And here he's holding... The Jews, Israel, Jerusalem to account, but then he's also holding the Babylonians to account. You see, these Babylonians came in and they claimed that their god called Bel, that's why so many of the Babylonian names were named after their god, Belshazzar, Bel, Shadrach and so on, that their god Bel had given them Israel, that their god Bel was greater than the god of Israel. And so they were claiming to do the will of God and doing child sacrifice, human sacrifice. They were committing idolatry and so on. And God held them to account and their kings to account and he judged them for their rebellion. And so from the book of Jeremiah, we see this, that God will hold each of us accountable as well and we will be judged by our response to him. 
And church, I want our response to be not one of comfort and laxity where we can say, you know, this is just, we're, we're just comfortable. We're just, this is, just leave everything the way it is because we're just comfortable. I don't want to pastor a church like that. And I don't think you want to be a church like that. We want to be the kind of church that beats with the heart of God, don't we? It says, God, there are more people outside these four walls than in these four walls who need to know you because eternity is on the line. Eternity is on the line. I read the moving, the very moving account of a young Scottish pastor who came to an area near where the great Robert Murray McShane had pastored. And Robert Murray McShane was a very young pastor who, they say, almost cried himself to death. He died at about the age of 30. And he moved the entire nation to repentance. A young man, a very young man, and the warden of that church, which is like the, the pastor responsible for the upkeep of the building and for make sure everything happens, showed this nearby young pastor who'd moved into the area because he was curious, how did this young Scottish preacher move an entire nation from his small church in Scotland? How did he do that? And the warden said, well, perhaps if I show you where he studied God's word, you might begin to understand so he took him into the back room study and he said, there's his desk, sit down in his chair. Now put your elbows on the desk, put your hands on the desk, put your face into your hands and smell the desk. And it smelt damp. And he said, yes, that's where Robert Murray McShane would spend hours, hours and hours every day with his face in his hands, weeping and weeping and weeping over the spiritual condition of his fellow countrymen. Now come with me. Took him into the chapel and showed him this is where he would come. And he would stand in front of the altar and then he would kneel. Put your knees where those knee marks are and smell the carpet. And again, he smelt damp. He said, yes, because he put his face in his hands and he knelt there and he wept and he wept and he wept for the people of this land that they might turn to Christ. And as that man left, he said, no, no, one more thing. Come up into the pulpit. He went into the pulpit and he said, put your face on the pulpit and smell the pulpit. Again, it smelt damp. He said, yes, because as he preached, he never preached without weeping, weeping and weeping. That's how he moved the nation, because he cared. And the prophet Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. And here's my question for us. And I hope that none of us are indifferent to what God wants to do in us and through us. But the question is this, has your heart been transformed by God to desire him? Because unless he does something in your heart, that just can't happen. And when he does, you desire him. God, I want to be with you. You find yourself praying that. God, I want to know you. You find yourself praying that. God, I want to know your way. I want to know your will and I want to know your word. And no longer do you treat God's word as a duty, but you treat it as part of the delight that helps you to know the God who loves you and weeps over you. As we read in Jeremiah 8, the wound of my people is a wound of my heart, says the Lord. And this God who weeps over his people, who weeps over us, who longs for us to come to know him, want to know him, wants to transform our hearts. And here's my question. Has your heart been transformed? Has your heart been transformed because church if God can get a hold of our hearts and then he can get a hold of another heart and another heart who knows what God could do in this community
Let's pray. Father, help us, I pray, to be a transformed people. Now, Lord, if there are anyone, if there is anyone listening to me right now who has never surrendered their life to Christ, you haven't handed over your heart to Christ. You haven't surrendered your heart to Christ. I appeal to you now, not as someone wanting to condemn you, but as someone wanting to bring you home, as an emissary sent to find you and to bring you home, to awaken you from your slumber and to bring you home that you might know your heavenly Father. You are not a million miles from him. You are just one step from him. And it's a step that involves you turning around and praying a prayer that says, God, I give you my heart. I want to know you. Please forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for what I've done that's broken your heart. And help me to live for you, I pray. And Lord, I pray for us as a church that we will care and that we will weep tears of care We will weep tears of compassion for our community, our neighbours, our friends, our family, that more might come to know Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God holds us accountable and each of us will be judged for our response to Him. Has your heart been transformed by God? More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Jeremiah Revealed Mankind's True Condition, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For updates and special offers, please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.